Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to New Books in Latino Studies, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. My name is Jonathan Cortez, the producer and host of today's episode. And today we'll be talking with famed poet Ana Castillo about her recent collection of poetry entitled My Book of the Dead, published by the University of New Mexico Press this month, September 2021. Ana Castillo is a celebrated author of poetry, fiction, nonfiction, and drama. Among her award-winning books are So Far From God, a novel, The Mixcuala Letters, Black Dove, Mama, Mijo, and Me, The Guardians, a novel, Peel My Love Like an Onion, a novel, Sabogonia, and Massacre of the Dreamers, Essays on Chicanisma, also published by the University of New Mexico Press. Her latest collection of poetry, which we will be discussing today, is My Book of the Dead, Dr. Castillo, was born and raised in Chicago and resides currently in New Mexico. Ana, thank you so much for being on air with us today and welcome to the show. Thanks so much. I'm, I'm happy to be speaking with you today. Yeah, I really appreciate it. And I wonder if we can start the interview by telling us a bit about yourself, right? Perhaps tell us a bit about where you grew up, where you went to school, who you worked with and who you were inspired by and how you came to your artistic practice of writing and performing poetry, right? Essentially, the question is, where did this journey begin for you? Well, I was born and raised in Chicago and and received most of my education in Chicago. I attended the um, Chicago Public Schools, and I went to community college. Um, It was called Junior College back then. And then um, got my bachelor's degree in Chicago at what was a teacher's college at the time. And my uh, bachelor's degree was actually to teach art in high school, which I've never done. Uh, Some years later, I went to the University of Chicago and majored in Latin American and Caribbean studies. It's a new program at the time. Um, And uh, subsequently, by the things that happened in life, I received um, a a doctorate from the University of Bremen in American Studies uh, for my book, Massacre of the Dreamers. Um, I came to my writing in a a disciplined and I I guess you could call professional way through my activism, which started in high school. I came of age in 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 the very late the tail end of the 60s, and then was in high school in the early 70s. Um, So the civil rights movement was very fresh and very vibrant, and I saw it as as a guide, as many Latino uh, and Chicano-identified activists did of my generation of what we also needed and wanted for brown people in the United States. And writing, creative writing was a part of my very young life. It came naturally. I didn't think about studying it 
for many reasons, but I used it as a as a young activist as a way to get the word out on our views, and I still do. Uh, I do see it as a major part of my activism, and we can talk about that with the new book, my book of the dead. Um, but I never studied uh, writing because um, I come from a, a time in in the in this country where there were not only no U.S. Latino Latino writers at the time. Uh, yet we were all coming of age together, like the hundred mon- monkey story, where it was a good idea that was happening all over the country. But uh, you know, politically, uh, you you didn't see it. You saw, uh, you could see a name like Garcia Marquez in translation at a bookstore, but you would never see a Spanish surname in the spine of any book, in um, in any bookstore perhaps in some uh, back shelves in a library. Uh, so it was really uh, an activist, um, uh, uh, a form of activism to work at being a writer and getting, um, whether it's through self-publishing or chapbooks, getting your works out there uh, to communicate that, you know, our, our perspectives, but also our presence in this country. And, you know, I find myself still after more than four decades still doing so. And I'm very happy and honored to be able to do that. Wow. I I think that's a great segue into the book to talk about specifically how you still see writing, your writing, and particularly your writing in my Book of the Dead as a form of activism. You know, in in many of these, in many of these, um, these poems, I kept, I kept picking up on on uh, you know notions of black brown solidarity, notions of understanding um, and being sympathetic and empathetic towards people, um, not of uh, you know like Chicano, not not Chicanos or not Mexican Americans. And so, can you talk more about your activism and how it how it shows up in the book, uh, my book of the dead? Yes, I think it's a very it's a very interesting and unexpected. Um, uh, I'll just use the word thing right now to have become aware of in the last five years of of a of a segment of a young generation. By young, I mean people in their twenties. This isn't uh, anything that I'm thinking that's everybody in their twenties or every Latino or Chicano or Chicanx person that I, you know, identifies with, uh, uh, brown activism, but I found it very, um, interesting and, and all, and for me perturbing that, um, there was this, um, this idea. And I, 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 I don't think that it's completely wrong, but I think it's, uh, it, it can be misguided that people of older generations and by older generations, then I would say, the millennials and certainly my generation of baby boomers were prejudiced or disassociated from um, from the African American um, and Black um, uh, movements and their uh, and their very specific issues because uh, uh, most of the activists that I know uh, all the activists that I know of my generation and prior to my generation had um, a great affinity with the African-American civil rights movement. It was their, um, their, their action, their bravery, uh, their staking their lives that set a precedence and leadership for younger people, 
for women of all colors and backgrounds um, and for other ethnic groups in this country and specifically my own. So um, it was, it's, it's a natural thing for me to continue to think that way, to feel that way. And in the, in the new collection of poems, my book of the dead, I have numerous poems um, as you've mentioned for um, and about very specific um, uh, African-American black cases in this country, such as Trayvon Martin's um, story, uh, because I still feel that way. And there's been a, a great deal of affinity. I'm born and raised in Chicago. There's been a great affinity in my life personally and professionally with African-American um, activists and, and, and love and loyalty. Uh, I was a girl when Angela Davis was a huge part of the African-American um, and civil rights movements. And you can imagine what I felt like 20 years later, meeting her, having her acquaintance, being on the same platform with her, uh, and and being able to call. And it was natural for both of us to to see each other, recognize each other. Um, Sonia Sanchez, just so many people that I can name that you would know and and others that you wouldn't know. Um, But um, it was very disturbing to me to To be called out with other individuals from um, my generation and older and a little younger, and accused of of having uh, racist views against Black people or African American people, I don't know what it's based on. I think it's disruptive and unhealthy, and definitely wrong. If you do your research, if you want to call somebody out, do your research first, and then find the right time and venue. But don't just assume that because your tia at the Thanksgiving table or your father in his easy chair is making disparaging remarks against African-Americans or Asians that every one of our generation feels that way. And I'm definitely not someone that feels that way and I'm very beholding to the activism of, of, uh, of everybody uh, that preceded me, that taught me um, to be strong and, and to do what, um, what's right. The poem about um, uh, uh, Akila Oliver that that you mentioned before the interview is an example of that. She's an um, she was an African American poet that I didn't have the good fortune to meet, and I heard about her on Facebook the day she died, and all her students that were grieving and um, over her, and I. I, I started researching her and I ordered her work. And I thought, how was it that our paths never crossed? Because they do. It's a small world when you are tokenized in academia. It's a small world for you. And um, usually uh, women, women more than women and men or with men, uh, we, we, we try to have some form of alliance and solidarity. Not saying it's a utopic, but we try to. It's important. It's a, it's a method of survival. So I thought, I wonder why I never ran across her over these years. Um, but I identified with her enormously, and I and I identified also with her as a mother and the mo- a single mother of a of a of a son of of a of brown and black hue in public. 
Yeah, thank you for that. Um, thank you for 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 that history for for telling me and the listeners about um, these sort of interactions, right? That aren't always displayed or 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 put on display. And so, um, actually, I want to go maybe to that to that poem, um, "Homage to Aquila" on page twenty five. Because I think you you touched on something towards the end of your statement about specifically motherhood being such a strong connection between you and Akila, and this poem does such, such a fantastic job at talking about um, the the hurt um, that that motherhood can can invoke, um, and even before then. So right before page twenty five, uh, if I pray, there's a section where you say, as happened with any child's loss. The earth ceased to rotate. I said a prayer for all mothers, children, for my own, for myself. And then at the end of that poem, you say, don't judge my mother's heart. Can you talk more about your experience with motherhood, your experience with loss, and your experience of grief in in in, in this book of poetry? Well, um, you're referring in, uh, in the poem, If I Pray, to um, to a poem I wrote about um, Trayvon Martin, um, and the I mm. wrote about the moments I heard on on uh, on the radio uh, about this horrific, tragic killing of this young man, and I, I have been talking about the meaning of poetry uh, with this book, my book of of the dead. Uh, uh, with uh, with uh, students and interviewers and such, who ask what does what does poetry mean? And I feel this is an, a, a good example of something that I've said, which is that poetry catches a moment. Um, and in this mm. particular uh, poem, I remember distinctly the moments I heard on the radio that morning, early morning radio, uh, that I was sitting and putting on my shoes to to start the day, to go outside and do my chores. Um, and I hear about this horrific, tragic death of a young, beautiful young man. Um, it touches me now even to think about it um, as, as, as mothers all over the world, but particularly women of color, particularly women who are not protected by um, the things that are affordable economically, if you've got a bodyguard, if you've got somebody watching over your child so he doesn't have to go out and catch a bus or a train to school or places where there mm. is war and, and, and battles and our, our children are, are falling victims. The south side of Chicago has been looked at that way. I was just there, just returned yesterday from my hometown, and I saw on the news that there so far here in September of this year, there have been over 3,000 killings, violent killings in the city of Chicago. Mm. And as a mother, and I don't think you have to be a mother to grieve our children. Our children belong to all of us. Mm-hmm. But as a mother who who is because we choose it or because that's the way our societies are, are made, we have the responsibility of nurturing this child all the way into adulthood and past adulthood. And so um, we can mm-hmm. put blame on mothers. We can do a, a Freudian uh, uh, bl- blame to say that, you know, however a child turns out, it's, it's the mother's responsibility. She's, 
she's found guilty for whatever issues a kid may have or a boy, girl, or non-binary. Or um, you can just say that, you know, our particular form of loving is unconditional. And depending on the circumstances of the environment that we are in, most of us do our best. That's all I can say is that we do our best. And so that line, mm-hmm. don't judge my mother's heart, is I, am, I, I finally resort to prayer. If I pray, it's saying, um, don't, don't judge me. Because uh, from a political standpoint, we also say, you know, we, we also come back and say, you know, your thoughts and prayers aren't doing much for us. Um, but, you know, at a moment like that, when mm. I went down to, to put on my my uh, outdoor shoes, I said, you know, I said a prayer. I got, I felt vertigo. I felt dizzy. I thought about my own brown son and all the things that he, he has gone through in life and still struggles with as a man, as a brown man, as a father now. Um, and, you know, mm. I felt... I felt dizzy, and the only thing I felt at that instant was to send up a prayer for that mother and for all mothers and their children um, to the universe. Wow. Wow. Thank you. Um, So the next poem after If I Pray is homage to Akilah, and I believe you were going to um, gift us with the reading of this poem? Yes, I'll be happy to read it. It's actually... Um, one of my favorite poems in this book, I, because probably because I connect to it so much, um, Akila Oliver, as I mentioned, was a poet and also, like myself, uh, made her living as a migrant um, uh, teacher, as a migrant professor, probably like myself, mm-hmm. um, uh, over the decades, uh, was a token resident writer, token person of color, token queer person on campus also she had a boy and she raised him and i'm sure she did everything that she knew to bring him up um at at 21 years old her son oluchi was doing graffiti art in los angeles um uh, and he came to an unfortunate end which was from my understanding he had a severe stomach pain one day, um, and his friends took him to the Martin Luther King Jr. Hospital in Los Angeles, and he was left on a gurney unattended and, and um, tragically mm. passed away. Um, my poem begins also where um, Akila Oliver also dies just a few years later in her 40s uh, from a cardiac arrest. So I'll read the poem, and if you have any questions about it, we... We can talk about it afterwards. Homage to Akila. His body was decomposing, her baby, her flesh, child, she once held at her breast. He was dead. Death took residence, neglect, negligence. Hospital sued over a young man left in an emergency room. Mine was incarcerated. How was it? All became a crapshoot, fate of offspring. We'd nourished, adored, gave to our last breath. They 
our babies, girls, boys, muchachitos, niños queridos, neighborhood kids, pudgy or puny and picked on, or had too many tíos, los García or the walkers, mom had lupus or marido with bad back and couldn't work, nephews, nieces, mijos, mijas, nietos, nietas, sent out to the war on streets. Society wouldn't let them be, nor la not last century or the one before, and not in 2018. A poet, woman, mother, raised a boy, migrant teacher of language, went from campus to campus, plethora of words in her arsenal, Aquila and me, tokens, brown, female, <clears throat> excuse me, brown, female, evolved spirit from the southwest or south side of any city. She was a teacher with dreads and a sleepy-eyed smile, believed, must have, and doing right, doing it strong for the sake of showing her son right from wrong. If you stayed steady, she said to herself, if you stayed steady, she said to herself, must have, captain, captain on a ship of two or ramen noodles or mac and cheese dinner, regular night bath, a story read, put the child to bed, graded papers till 2 a.m., then started again, must have, like I had, the child you raised would benefit, fly like Obama had, success at his fingertips. No one would shoot him down in a good neighborhood. No policeman would kill him dead for reaching into a pocket. No school would hold him back till he gave up. Diabetes and other diseases would be kept at bay. He'd be ready, your boy, your flesh, your son, and mine, mijo, for the perpetual onslaught. The time came for round one. Bell rung, Oluchi, fists up, graffiti can, the newly minted black man fell, just like that, just like that. When he got the call, when she got the call, rushed to MLK hospital, put her ear next to his lips, bloated and bluish, parched like onion skin, having kissed their last kiss, lips swollen and soundless, felt no breath, heard no final, Mama, I love you. Her boy, left to perish on a gurney, her son, her flesh, she began to die too. Slow drip of existence oozed through her pores. Goodbye, love. Goodbye, far-reaching star. A round of green mint tea for the house before me, we move on. Joy as she once knew it, vaporized. I felt it way across the land of the free and the brave belonging to whites with no money and no conscience in a world, le monde, un mundo, where no education, knowledge of couplets, art or science, extent of good works, community service, lectures attended or, lectures attended or charitable donations would reset a heartbroken, 
by a child's ruin. I'll testify, not knowing each other, but by the way soldiers instantly bond. I heard her wail, like a canine hears a dog whistle, ears up, heart pounding. We shared the vanity of affording good nutrition, books, clean water, and little league. Nothing had saved them. Not we, Amazon mothers. Somehow, I'll say it, absent fathers failed them. One afternoon, standing in her living room, tired of hearing, tired of beating without his, Akilah's heart stopped. She hit the rug heavy, and she hit the rug heavy, sun filtering through bay windows, kept her lifeless body warm till they found her. The killing fields are everywhere, under the viaduct or over the freeway. Chicago, L.A., Detroit, Denver, mothers, aunts, little sis, abuelas, with outlined with outlined lips or swaying hips, single mothers push grocery carts on the sidewalk, sneak out to dance, fuck in alleyways, hoping for new love again, stretch meals through the week, have prepaid phone cards, spend paychecks in advance, survive in the cracks. I had taught him how to do shoelaces, his tie, ride a bike, later shave and drive a car, have pride and work, clean house, fry an egg, wash out his drawers, be respectful of women, neighbors, be an honorable friend. He was behind bars. I wrote, look at this poet, look at her life, her boy, who went down at 21. Don't leave your mother with only the memory of a son. Thank you. Wow. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for writing and thank you for reciting. Um, There is so much that I'm thinking about, specifically the plight of, um, you know, uh, migrant academics uh, who, who, we have taken so long to reach the the height, you know, the degrees, um, and still somehow fall short of being able to, as you said, you know, provide good meals or clean water, whatever it may be, simply because of, you know, race or ethnicity. And so um, I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking about your connection with your son, uh, paralleled with Akila's connection with her son, um, there is so much here to unpack and I, and I want to, I want to hear what you are thinking or what you, what's reverberating with you after reading this poem. I still, I, you know, I read it last week, um, in Chicago at a, a kind of, um, hybrid, uh, reading. It was the first time I read it in public and there were people actually in the audience, including my son, who is, uh, an adult and, um, I know this will be recorded, uh, will be broadcast later, but as we speak today is actually his 38th birthday. And I have to say that he's, he's doing mm. very well, as well as he can. Um, but um, it was very difficult, and there were um, lots of uh, brown 
academic uh, individuals uh, from librarians that uh, spoke to me afterwards and male and female and parents and so on that they said this resonated quite a bit with them. Their children are all different stages. I also think about something I read, I think it might have been on Twitter the other day, Once, and it was coming from a woman once again telling women to teach their sons to respect women, teach their sons to act right, teach their sons to do X, Y, and Z. And we forget that much of what a, a, a male learns is from his peers, is from his uh, the men in his mm-hmm. life, is from you know the moment he leaves home. Um, and you know, I I did as I've said in this poem, I did do everything that I thought I could to to impart on my son to be a a serviceable person in his home and member of society. But the behaviors are also learned in an environment and when we're seeking peers. So we all, as the saying goes, it takes a village. We all participate in teaching um, in teaching uh, young people uh, inadvertently sometimes um, how to be, how mm. to survive, how to behave. There's a lot of pressure on, on young men of color to, 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 to strut, to be tough. Uh, sometimes they have to be, and sometimes it's over, mm. you know, uh, it's over the top, let's say, or in, at, at wrong times. And so there's so much that all of us have to participate uh, in teaching, um, teaching other children, teaching each other, te- teaching ourselves how to be and how to act right and, 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 um, and, and to feel safe in doing so. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. Thank you so much for that. Um, I want to maybe shift a little bit to thinking about um, Akila and others in your book who are who are writers, who are academics, right? You have a lot of people, you write poems um, about a lot of writers, you know, Francisco X, Ache, um, Akila, Whitman, Myra, uh, and The Storm Upon Us on page three. All of those poems are in reference to or dedicated to other artists. Um, so I'm curious about, you know, uh, I'm curious about that collection of poems, uh, you know, about other artists and about where you are, where you were thinking about when you were writing these poems and including them in your Book of the Dead. Uh, you know, um, in each of them, you're 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 celebrating um, the life and love of their of their existence, and it, it feels so intimate that you have allowed us in. To you've allowed us as your audience, right, to read and share in their pain, in their loss, and in their crossing over. So I was wondering if you can speak more to those different collection of poems, which reference um, other artists who have inspired you or who you are, who are you are connected to in different ways. Yes. Um, well, I think the, the the title of this book is so very appropriate. I don't know what people think of the title, but. I feel like it's really addresses these times. It's called my book of the dead and true to the promise Mm. of the title. There are, there are poems um, dedicated to those who have left us. And I don't know anyone in this around me and that I've spoken to and in this country and around the country, around the world um, that hasn't experienced some form of grief or loss in the last few Mm. years. I, 
started writing, I think from the moment I started writing as a child, it came very naturally to me. But it wasn't until my late teens that I made a decision to use it as a form of activism. Um, so uh, it, it was it was a, a, a wonderful combination of doing something that I, I thought I could do, that I enjoy doing, takes work. It's not like it's all fun and games, all, you know, working on mm-hmm. all my books, but, um, but also brought together my political consciousness and my, my form of uh, feminism that brought in, um, you know, brown women and, um, transnationally and so forth. And so, um, the, so life went on and for better or for worse. And in 2017 with, um, with 2016, I should say at the end of, uh, that year with the, the election, I, I with so many was in shock at the election. And by 2017, I must have taken it very personally because I was in such a state of mind that I was uh, diagnosed with clinical depression. And part of what happened uh, with mm. that depression was that I decided I was no longer going to write. In fact, I began to draw, went back to my original love, and there are some of the drawings are in this book, as a matter of fact. They're just basic line drawings, free-form drawings. And so um, at that time, at the same time, there are deaths happening. So Francisco Alarcón, uh, whom I knew for many decades, a uh, beloved poet and, and um, an academic in California, um, uh, passed away. I have a poem for him, a very honest poem. We didn't have the best friendship, but I think there was some mutual respect um, as time went on. And um, and even for Whitman, who is, you know, perhaps father of modern American poetry in this country. I don't know when I got inspired to, to write that, but I, I don't remember writing it. I know I wrote it recently. And I crawled back to my writing in the last four or five years through poetry uh, I decided I had come too far to turn back now, for better or for worse. It was my first beloved medium to write in, most effective. Because poems are are sort of short, uh, but but nevertheless important crafts of writing, I, I told myself I could do it one poem at a time. The title poem, A Storm Upon Us, which you also mentioned, was written upon the passing of John Trudell, whom I never had the privilege of meeting, but whom I, whose writing and 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 political career I admired, it preceded mine. Um, he was uh, he was Chicano Native American, and was very major in America in the American Indian movement, and he suffered one of the greatest sacrifices mm-hmm. that any activist could could um, could have, which was the the killing of his children and his um, and his wife mysteriously mm-hmm. on, on one of the reservations which was directly related to their activism so of course I have great admiration for mm-hmm. his fortitude um, and I felt that he was like many poets with his ear to the ground predicting the years to come so um, that's how it all comes together mm-hmm. with my combination of res- paying my respects and also my admiration for these artists. And you mentioned uh, a character, Myra, who's in one of the poems, and she's totally fictitious. I have some persona poems, but she sort of represents um, the struggles of women artists, visual artists. Uh, And it's Mm -hmm. kind of a, 
kind of a little bit snarky, and you could see her personality. There may be a little bit of me in her. <laughs> um, so in 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 regards to paying your respect and and you know being. Um, empathetic and sympathetic to these artists, I feel like I was also very drawn and also very struck by your vulnerability in this, in this book. You know, it took me a little while to sort of get through because so many of the poems were so heavy, right? Uh, For example, on page five, tell me something to live for, or on page, you know, 16 to 23, there's just this long list of mass shootings, um, I'm curious about your writing process, and I know you have a kind of uh, quippy poem about your writing process on page 14. But I, but how did you, how do you bring yourself, and how did you, you know, decide to write those more intense, vulnerable poems that that are that are gripping, that are sad, that um, yeah. How how do you come to to be in that space and and not allow yourself to fall in too far? Um, you know, all that is very, that, that's really important, uh, specifically with this book, because as I've just said um, uh, earlier, that I was um, in a, a state of clinical depression and, and, and such that I had decided what was the point of writing. Um, ironically, mm. uh, simultaneously, I was writing poetry and not, not because of, you know, poetry, writing poetry and being melancholy or being sad or feeling tragic all or in one. I had actually decided in 2012 that I was going to start working on a new collection of poetry. I also projected it would take me a decade, which I don't know why I told myself that that's the amount of time it'll take me to have a, a solid collection of of poems, but actually that's almost as, as long as it did. And, um, and, and my decision at the end of 2018, that although I had officially told myself I was no longer writing and I was drawing like a mad woman, a crazy person, right, drawing every single day, draw, making, I literally have hundreds of these drawings now, um, that uh, I could mm-hmm. go back by taking it a poem at a time. Um, and so I took a poem at a time. But the real key here is the only way that I can write is by being true to myself. Um, you know, very mm. rarely, but it has happened. I have read a review or two. I think of a couple of reviews I saw about my book, So Far From God, that that claimed or assumed that I had written for mainstream or for white people. Uh, quite the contrary. I, I never write for uh, for anyone. I write for someone who is like myself, if not for me. And that person doesn't usually mm-hmm. have a voice. She's been a, a, a brown woman. She's been an underrepresented um, figure and voice in society, not just in this country. So I, they, you're very right. They are very raw and they are very honest. There is one poem in there that's so painful. Um, I remember reading it aloud twice to my compañero. And as I was reading it, it's so dark, I thought to myself, where was I when I wrote this? And it's in there. It's called Mierda. And it's a a poem about Mm -hmm. uh, about Mm -hmm. how there's a certain spider that 
catches its prey and, and eats its prey, its prey alive one bit at a time. And how we, it's a metaphor for how many of us, at least during the last four or five years with political conscience, uh, have ended up that way. We were paralyzed. At least I was paralyzed, and I felt mm. I was being eaten, eaten up one one part at a time, but my brain and my eyes were still aware of what was happening. And it's so painful to, to read it and to think about it, but I think it's, a, a, a if I may say so, it's an excellent metaphor for being in a state of not only uh, mental uh, depression, but also how we were, many of us were actually existing. Uh, our jobs were being taken away. Our mm-hmm. lives were, were being taken away. Our children's lives were being taken away, uh, whether it was through the pandemic, through uh, economic situation, and so on. So that's my book of the dead. And I do want to just say quickly, I don't want people to be afraid to read it because I do think that in there I did take on the responsibility of offering hope for many of us with our conscience and conscientization to continue to move forward and to, and to struggle collectively. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. Mierda was also another one that I have just sort of bookmarked and noted and, and thinking about, you know, the, the sort of deep feeling of paralyzation in this time um, in the last two years under the, under the presidency of the last president. And I think it, it really was um, a poem that opened up a lot for me and allowed me to see that other folks were also in this mind frame. And so thank you so much for writing it. But I agree, um, Dr. Castillo, that that throughout my book of the dead, there's there's glimpses of hope where you're holding on, where you ask others to hold on. Um, there's prophecy of 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 sort of like um, you know, uh, being able to build a civilization in which black and brown folks can survive and thrive and not under constant um, surveillance or not under constant um, harm by, by governments, by natural disaster. Um, And so I'm wondering if you, if we can talk, maybe talk about that for a bit. Um, You know, there are so many, so many poems that talk about the, the, the destruction, the downfall of the United States, right? I'm thinking about a storm upon us. I'm thinking about Chicanisma prophecies um, by the end of the 21st century. Um, you know, gotas guy in el techo, tantrum, right? You lot you write a lot about the 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 Trump presidency. Um, I'm wondering if you can talk about that role in in this feeling of paralyzation and this feeling of unsurety and this feeling that that arrives uh, in Mierda, right? Can you talk about the U.S. and in relationship to this book? You know, we went through something in the last four or five years, and by no stretch of the imagination are we uh, out of the woods yet, so to speak. I really want to say something more like, are, are we are we out of the cauldron? Because it was it, being in the in the woods just just uh, insinuates that you're. It lost and in darkness, and we were really being, you know, cooked alive. Um, many people, including myself, experienced insomnia for many reasons, especially when the pandemic began. 
and there's a there is a poem about insomnia. Um, I'd also like to um, to mention that there were seven of uh, poems in there that I wrote um, originally in Spanish, and I put the word out. I, I didn't want to translate them myself, and there's there were people online that that um, uh, volunteered that offered um, to to try their hand at it, and one of them is um, uh, the Pulitzer Prize winning um, Tahimba Jess who translated a poem that you mentioned, um, uh, Gotas Cayen en el Techo. It's about the Parkland High School Massacre. And I, I wrote it right after that. I remember, again, poetry is in the moment. I was, um, I was spending Valentine's Day in Santa Fe. I live in the state of New Mexico. And, and it was also Ash Wednesday. And it was rainy. It was very dark and overcast. And it all came together in this poem. Um, but I believe that in all of this, there is a call to action. Uh, there's um, so much still happening, so many places. Anyone that wants to do something can do something. And I do think that in all of this, uh, many pages of, of uh, mentioning the um, violence by, by uh, guns in this country for pages, I'm not sure that it's poetry, but, it's, but it, is a, it gives you pause. Um, there's many places that anyone that wants to do something can get in, um, can do something, writing to your local officials, going out to, you know, to protest, uh, you know, joining your school boards. Um, there, You don't have to do everything. We, we get overwhelmed and we want to do everything. That's what young activists sometimes fall prey to, and then they get burned out and they become cynical. Um and then don't want to do anything, but we can all pick one thing that is that we are passionate about. And I've offered all of that in this book. I'm, I'm kind of like all over the place in this book with with conscience consciousness. There's there's a, a poem called uh, "Amazonia está quemando," which is a, a, a refers to the the burning of the Amazon that's actively happening uh, in Brazil. But it, it, but it's um, centered on an actual woman chief, um, uh, indigenous uh, person in um, in the Amazon who is learning to read and write and to read and write in Portuguese so she can go out and and address these issues because along with the burning of the Amazon, of course, it's not only a whole ecosystem but there are also indigenous people who live there and inhabit there that are being killed and made extinct. So just pick. Pick your passion and um, and see what what you can do. Um, and I hope my poetry, in some way, inspires people. Doesn't depress them or make them feel sad. There's commiserating going on, uh, and there's definitely um, a, a great deal of grief and sadness. But coming out of that, I think there's always something that we can take away from that gives us strength and courage to know that the other people need us. Other places need us. You think as one person, even an 18-year-old high school student or new freshman in college would say, well, what can I do? And I'm overwhelmed, you know, by the things I have to get done. You'd be surprised if you reach out what what you can do, if you decide that your voice and your intelligence and your two hands are worth something and, and somebody out there needs you. Wow. Well, uh- that was really beautiful. And, and I want to take us now to the last poem 
of the book, which is titled My Book of the Dead, um, after after the book's title. And on page 106, the last, um, in, on section two, the last, the last sort of stanza, you say, two years passed, world harnessed by whims of the 1%, I managed, me and the dog, me and the clouds, contam- contaminated waters and unbreathable air, to move, albeit slowly, as if through sludge, pain in every joint and muscle, sad to behold, equally saddened of heart, and we still marched, right? This is, I believe, in response to the Trump presidency. Right before this, you're talking about election night, but I found this poem to be what my most excited because I, I was trying to keep up with you in terms of where are we going, the journey that this poem takes us on. Can you sort of walk us through that a bit? Um, what is, why is this poem the last in the book and why does it represent, do you feel like it represents the book to its core? It is the, t- it is the title poem of the book, my book of the dead. I have had a great many of, um, of, uh, literary and uh, intellectual passions in my life and in my consciousness as a brown woman who also identifies with her indigenous heritage. And so in this book, my book of the dead, it's, it's, it's not a full uh, 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 addressing of the afterlife as one would think, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a nod to, um, you know, various uh, Chilambalam, there's different books that have survived, the Tibetan Book of the Dead, there's um, the Egyptian Book of the Dead, all of those subjects of religions and beliefs that um, not only uh, preceded uh, major civilizations or Western civilization or the East as we know it now, but actually um, are adhered to and believed in now. So there's some of that in the journey, mentioning many of those in that poem that you're that you're talking about. I talk about um, the afterlife as um, some of our ancestors in what is now Mexico believed in, and I follow some of that. I am reluctant to refer to it as mythology because it, it was religion and is religion. Um, so uh, uh, I, I put myself in that place. Simultaneously, in real time, um, I'm living under the uh, what I consider to be, to be the predecessor of a fascist uh, society. If we don't get up and you know rise up, as I just mentioned, and let our voices be heard, we'll be seeing that probably sooner than we um, anticipate. There was also the predicted first pandemic of its kind, and that's coming. And then on a personal level, although I'm a very private individual, I'll mention that my spouse was fighting for his life um, at that time. We were working on that. And so all of it comes together in a real, very real way. We're having a brush of, with death, and a, uh, a personally we're having a brush with death in this country, and we're having a brush with death on the planet. Um, and as I've said, um, she returns, and here's where I think, I hope you saw some, the sun rising again at the end of the poem when she finally returns from this horrific journey and her loved ones are waiting for her at the shore. And she's returned because the gods 
have sent her back telling they kind of reject her in the afterlife and say, you have to go back because you've got a lot of work to do. Yeah. The end of the end of this poem is always kind of makes me uh, tear up. Um, and I, if you may, I'm going to read, I'm going to read the last, if you don't mind, I'm going to read the last nine lines. You write, I rode a mule at one point glided like a feather in air at another ever drifting toward my son the granddaughter of copper hair, sound of pounding drum. We found you there, my love, waiting by the shore, our return. And this this moment, right, when this person or when you or whoever this is embodying comes back to life, comes back to earth, and they only come back to these people. I think it's a really great reminder of, of, of who in our life um, are the people we come back to, right, in those moments. And I think I found that very, um, very impactful. Well, you know, as thank you. And um, as I said, it was, it was, a, it was metaphorical, um, and I hope universal, because it's talking about intergenerational and from the beginning of time, literature also uh, is, is, is inspired and, and, and evokes uh romantic love but it's also to our children and now to the next generation all of that is there and also in real time i'm actually naming the real people that that i'm living about and for and and uh, and putting all my energies into for their survival and, and their continuance um at that shore which is also a metaphor of of course for where we go with where there's water and air and sunlight and we um, we together we join to to move forward. Mm. Wow. Um, well, Dr. Castillo, there is so much more we can talk about, um, but we are coming up to the hour, and I would say briefly that now um, understanding. The drawing. So you mentioned earlier that the drawings in this, the line drawings, are actually your drawings. Yes, they are my drawings. I, as I've as I've said, um, when I became uh, de- so depressed in the at the end of 2016, beginning of 2017, I went back to my first love, and the drawings are freehand. They're uh, in a in a in a drawing style that that artists will recognize. Uh, line drawings. It was very um, meditative for me. It was very soothing calming for my mind i spent hours and days and sometimes when i finished i would start another one filled many many journals and i expanded Mm -hmm. to bigger bigger drawing uh, pads Um, but when i was a girl and i learned to do this process it's freehand drawing there are no pencil underneath drawing Mm -hmm. so sometimes um anatomically um a lot of it is of nature also you might say, well, the arm is longer than the other arm or the one eye is up here. It's because there's no erasing. You, you just draw uh, with, I, I used a Sharpie mm. uh, when I was a, a girl. We used India ink and, um, and I did, um, I did these with um, a pen and ink. Uh, but now everybody's using uh, Sharpies and it's very convenient. But I also uh, did, um, did it freehand. So there's, a, there's four drawings. The editor did request for one for the cover, which I had selected one, but um, I was um, I'm, I'm picky about the design. And I've had a couple of these drawings al- already 
I've had the honor of having them requested for people's uh, book covers, but I'm very picky about the way it's uh, designed. The cover would be designed, so I would drew mm. that. But we do have uh, four inside the inside the book, which I'm I'm happy to to share. There are also a few, I think, on my website if people want to view more. Yeah, thank you, thank you so much. And they're very they're very beautiful and really I think give a lot of. Um, texture to the poems, to the written word that you provide. Um, Well, Anna, thank you so much for explaining to us how and talking to us extensively about um, my book of the dead. We have taken up much of your valuable time, but before we go, one last question here on new books in Latino studies. What are you working on now? Any events, tours, or anything you can tell us about uh, to look forward to in the next coming months, especially as this, as this book continues to gain traction um, since it was just published this month? Yes, thank you. Um, AnnaCastillo.net. I'm trying to mention on there, um, you know, I'm doing mostly a virtual uh, promotional tour. So I'm trying to mention and put the links of the podcast on there. You can find me on Instagram as the official Ana Castillo, and I try to post things. People are always disappointed when they miss something. Um, I'm on Facebook, and I'm also on Twitter with my with my name, the um, you know Ana Castillo poet. So you can all, I I try to mention anything that's coming up. I'll do that with this as well. Um, as for what I'm working on, the the great fabulous good news is that I'm back to writing again. I can't help myself. And so mm-hmm. I am um, very close to finishing uh, now a book of short fiction, some very short stories and some very long oh. stories. And they're very, it's very new unpublished work. So um, I just want to hint and say that they're going out uh, uh, to, uh, for consideration for publication uh, as, I'm, as I'm very close to finishing it. So maybe we'll have short fiction. And I always have something on the back burner which then the book after that will be, uh, will I'll be back to nonfiction. Uh, so uh, thank you for asking mm. because I'm always more excited about what I'm working on than than my new baby. But I uh, <laughs> I hope that people find some inspiration and some consolation in the poems, my book of the dead. And if you are on Instagram or on Messenger, if you send me a personal message and have purchased one of my new books. I am very happy to sign a nameplate and to mail it to you. Oh, wow. That's very nice. Um, Well, I'm sure that I speak for many of our listeners when I say that we are so excited that you are writing again and we, uh, you know, wait patiently for whenever you're ready to (laughs) release these writings into the world. But that sounds like incredibly exciting and exciting. I personally can't wait. Um, Anna, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. I incredibly enjoyed it. And please take care. Thank you. You too.